The shared experience of humanity is something that can be so binding and, you know, trying to make sure that we understand that we're all kind of going through it. I know it's, you know, it, it seems like a simple idea, just the idea of like, you know, putting on their shoes and walking a little bit. But I, I think it's just not, you know, and it does because it does take bravery to tell some of the things and expose some of the things that we're all going through. Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, where you'll hear from thought leaders in a wave of goodness and progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and help you take control of your life online, something we're all feeling a bit sketchy about right now. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, We have written thousands of articles about insight, thought leaders, and innovation going uncelebrated. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with people who are doing the most amazing things in the world. And now we're sharing those. Today, we're going to speak with an amazing man that I just have so much respect for. When I was interviewed on his podcast, we we had a tough time reining it in. Michael Shields, welcome to the Everwidening Circles podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be a part of what you're doing over there. I love it. Well, you know, I have to, I have to do a teeny bit of introduction for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael is the host of an amazing podcast called Beyond the Margins. I think in a nutshell, I'd have to say that this podcast does something we love to do at Everwidening Circles. It's a guide. It guides us all deeper into the stories untold in the world, in a world that's just full of sound bites. <laughs> and you know, what makes a real difference in the way we come away from listening or, or watching things in the media is the context about the the things that are a big deal. And Michael is certainly doing an amazing job filling in all those gaps that so many people are rushing over. So mm. Michael, you are so much more than I just described. Give me a better <laughs> <laughs> give me a better description of across the margins and, yeah. and all the things that you're up to these days. Yep. So I am the um, editor-in-chief of Across the Margin. That's an online arts and culture magazine. That's kind of where it all started. And our goal there was to tell just as many different stories as we could. We uh, didn't really have a, a focus on genre. We were telling, you know, we published a lot of fiction, we a lot of nonfiction stories about about life and, and, and the human experience. And, you know, even we delve into politics and, and even there's articles about sports and art. We, we kind of, a little bit of something for everyone was the hope of it. And it's kind of started with a, a small group of writers in New York that, that I knew and really wanted to come together and find a space where we felt comfortable, you know, expounding upon our ideas and not feeling constrained by, um, you know, any sort of word count or anything, you know, where a place where long form fiction or nonfiction could thrive. And that's where that started. But soon we want to explore other mediums of storytelling. And that's where across the margin, the podcast kind of, took off and, um, you know, our goal there. And I think we share this goal is to talk to as many fascinating minds as we can and tell as many, you know, incredible and unique game-changing stories as we can. So we're always talking to 
many authors, musicians, artists, activists, and and just shining a light on as much beauty and and intrigue and and real life as we can. So uh, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. But it's it's we're having a lot of fun, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about it here. Oh, I'm just so I'm so taken with what a project with the scope of what you mm. just described could do as we're opening a new era. Mm. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. No, no, that, this is it. I mean, this, mm-hmm. the opportunity to reimagine what's possible in media and what we give our attention to. I mean, your project just <laughs> puts it all in this, in this, the scope of what's possible. Mm-hmm. I love the idea is, and I think I heard Eric Holthouse, who's um, just a wonderful climate change activist. And he just, in his book, he often just used the phrase of reimagine everything. And we're at a chance now where, you know, we've, we've run across some, some tougher times as, as, as humans, as a, a full on collective. And we're starting to see some defects and in, in things that we might've assumed was, you know, got, kind of going well or in order and, and now is it now is a chance a, a time that I believe is perfect for stepping back and really reimagining everything, how things could be. It's not accepting exactly what was handed to us as oh, this is how it this is how it goes, this is how this thing works. When we were kind of seeing that's not always the case. And I just love that phrase of kind of living by it, reimagining everything. And that, you know, that speaks to bigger issues that that we face as a as a world together but also down to trickling down to you know how we tell our stories and the methods and, and ways and you know I, I i just love the idea of and something we're gonna gravitate to more at across the margin is you know when we first started the podcast we were trying to take those stories off the page to the podcast and, and have these discussions and, and all we talk about now is other ways where else we could place those stories where else how else we can bring them into the world so just uh, you know kind of trying to reinvent the world <laughs> the the way we tell stories and and hopefully you know we bring some new ideas to the table in doing that I, I love it you know mm. one of the things I'm noticing is that we're reimagining listening yeah. You know, the other day I'm, I'm going to be doing a TED talk in India and mm. I asked the the event producer a whole bunch of questions about his community so that I could get it right for them. Mm. And I was just listening. I was listening hard and they could yeah. tell I was making faces and I was writing as fast as I could. And all of a sudden he said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's Actively. how strange it was for yeah. him to have somebody who was really deeply listening. Actively listening is an absolutely beautiful thing. I uh, I can't stop recommending this book. It's called How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. Mm-hmm. And in it, she talks, it's obviously about, it's it's not just about how to do nothing. It's about where we put our time and our perspective. And she talks about how when she started doing that and focusing on kind of the nature around her, and that's kind of where the idea started, is she started hearing differently because she was listening and she kept, she started hearing the bird sounds around her and, and just the songs. And, and she realized first off, they've always been there and she was just tuned into it. And once she was tuned into it, she was tuned into it more and more. And she was able to hear things she hadn't heard before because she was now tuned in and she became kind of addicted to this attention that she was gaining and just, you know, it's to this new way of hearing. I described it. I got a chance to talk to her about it 
as it's kind of like a superpower. Once you once you're able to focus and get your attention and listening and and kind of focus it on on what you want or what's really around you, it it's it feels like a superpower. You 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 can hear different than you did before. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I chat with people all day long. That's literally mm-hmm. what I do for <laughs> Ever Widening Circles and mm-hmm. the Conspiracy of Goodness. We'll talk about that in a few minutes too, but Please. I, I, I often find myself listening, listening, and, and I'm not saying that I'm totally engaged and engrossed and, in, and getting something out of every minute of every conversation I have. But what I've found is every single conversation has one sentence in it, at least mm-hmm. two or three, one or two or three that I needed to hear. I just absolutely needed to hear that. And then I, I in my mind, <laughs> all of people around me, I'm very famous for saying, this changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That puts on the, the onus of the power of everyday moments or what the potential of what a conversation can do. And, you know, I, I don't take for granted that who I'm able to talk to because I'm blown away all the time. And it just it's, you know, I get asked a lot, you know, what's next for the podcast and, and things like that or, you know, it, getting trying to get pulled into other projects and other podcast projects. But I'm just so... I am so enamored with and, and so excited about all the conversations I'm able to have that like the reward is already there in front of me. And I'm just, it just feels like a gift that I'm able to learn more insight about the authors, uh, about a book I just read or talk to, you know, a musician about a song they just wrote. And just, that just, I just can't speak enough about how grateful I am that, you know, that this platform has rewarded me in that way. I mean, I, I don't mean to speak selfishly. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, our conversations are enlightening and, and very entertaining to people. But I just, I just, the rush I get after speaking to some of these people is just something I never imagined that thrill. And, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to take it for granted anytime soon. It's so true, you know, and I wonder the applications we could have in daily life. It's not just about, you know, chatting with people on podcasts, although no. I will say, you see <laughs> this part of my face that's kind of like in the in the Grinch movie. Yeah. It's it's I've got these funny round cheeks. Well, one day Brittany, my my producer, mm-hmm. just made it arranged that I had to do three podcast interviews in a row. And when I got done, I was, was smiling so hard for three hours. I had to go take Tylenol because my face hurt from smiling. <laughs> I told her, never do that again. My face hurt. <laughs> that's, the ma- that's the magic there. I, I remember being amongst a bunch of podcasters, and then there were some other people around. There was a meeting about the, the medium, and, and I was I remember recommending to other people in the room that weren't didn't have a podcast i'm like you should have one too and one of the people that was there is like why would you kind of you know why are you pushing and i've said this in a a lot of different spaces that you should have one too and you know they're they were kind of questioning why would you want more competition when there's not i'm just like it's not what it's about it's just like there's it just what the gift you can give to yourself and to the person you're talking to and but you're right it isn't about just that and you alluded to it earlier just it's these conversations we can have and the moments that you can have within them at any point in the day. It's something we should, should be grateful for and tuned into. Yeah. You know, I, I'm famous for only being able to see from the 10,000 foot look. I'm hopeless as, <laughs> as far as actually boots on the ground stuff. All I can see is the the vision of possibility and I need to guide this conversation back. I feel like I don't want people to miss the magic in this conversation. You don't have to be a podcaster to do this. 
You just have to deeply care and be deeply curious Mm -hmm. about the person you are with this moment. Yeah. If it's a coworker, if it's your child riding along in the car, if it's, you know, an elderly person who may or may not be totally with it. If you're mm-hmm. deeply curious and mm-hmm. you, I mean, that's what, what, what Michael and I have figured out we have in common maybe the most is this curiosity. And I, I have to say, I wasn't always like that. Yeah. I, I would be listening to respond next. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was deeply engaged in listening yeah. to what they're saying. So I could be fired up and say exactly what they needed to hear next. And then there came a change. Uh, at mm-hmm. some point in my life where I started to listen to understand yeah. instead of listening to respond. And that's the, that seems like the gift in our times that may be sitting there waiting. Like we don't have the sense of urgency we used to. Yeah. You know, th- this, this idea of curiosity and that, that kind of combines with listening as we're talking about, I mean, as you just discussed, I don't think it comes easy. And I think it is something you so people have to work at and almost train themselves at and notice in themselves that they're not doing it. And kind of, um, you know, recognizing your own faults and being honest can lead to some really wondrous places. And I agree with you. I don't think I was always listening in that way. And I think sometimes I don't and I have to check myself. But when you're able to do it and train yourself in that way, not only, you know, are you just hearing them and and learning from them. But I mean, just gauge the other person. The other person can tell when you're listening and when you care. And that's when you'll, you'll get the best stories from them and they'll excite you the most and you'll have, you'll, you'll you'll bond and you'll, you'll connect in a way that you didn't know. I mean, you know, when someone cares and they're listening to you and and, and, and if you find a situation where you both are, are resonating at that same level and, both engaged and, and, and listening, caring, there's, there's a lot of magic there. There is a lot of magic there. That mm-hmm. is, that may be the largest, most important thing that we're missing in this sight, sound bite world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the magic is what you exchange with someone after you get deep enough, after one of you is willing to be vulnerable first. Yeah. You have to kind of, you know, it's it's kind of like that idea that, you know, all luck doesn't make itself. And I think you can put yourself in the potential for more magic. And, and it's as, as, you know, I discussed earlier, finding ways to listen more around what's around you or, you know, see things around you in, in a different way instead of looking, you know, taking the time to look for what you might not have seen around you. And, and you can put yourself in a position for magic to happen to you more often. I truly believe that. That is a huge statement. I'm writing that down. (laughs) I'm writing that down. Putting yourself in a position Mm -hmm. for the magic to happen more often Mm -hmm. and maybe even all the time. Yeah. That That is, that is there. That is, that is open to all of us who are thinking human beings. We can Mm -hmm. pause and totally be present. Mm -hmm. There's a great author who I'm sure you're familiar with, but you're much younger. Even I'm too young for his writing, but do you remember hearing of a very important book called Be Here Now by Ram yeah. Das? Yes, I love Ram Das. I I listened to his podcast that he that he had before he passed. And yes, Be Be Here Now is really special. And you know, if you never read anything else, what if you just read the title? Be here now. Yes, be here now. Right? Isn't that isn't that enough? <laughs> that cover that cover says it all. 
Yeah. So one of the things that I, I wanted us to just at least dive into, because I, I we could go on and on, and we will, <laughs> about all the wonders that we have been discovering in the world by listening hard to others. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I want us to chat just a minute or two about is the fact that the, the thing that's different about your work and mine is that you don't avoid the dark spots. <laughs> I actively do. <laughs> <laughs> Which we need that. I, I want to say, I, I absolutely, it's something I've been giving myself the gift of your website on the regular and going there because the, you know, media so often is focused on, on the negative and trying to get the stories that kind of just <laughs> scare us to watching more, bring us in for the wrong reasons. I, I need that positivity and I know where to find it. And, and you've brought that to life, but that is something that from the onset of Across the Margin, we really did want to make sure that we talked about real life stories. And, and you know, a lot of the nonfiction that we publish on the regular, it's about people being honest. And there's a lot of vulnerability about who people are and what we're dealing with. And one of the reasons we do that is because I just believe it's so important. I think it leads to a positive place when people are talking about experiences they have that that aren't so pretty. And because often it becomes so relatable to people. I've seen how that helps people out uh, in a major way. Some of the most common stories or stories that people have reached out to me about have been about some really trying times people went through. And they're like, I went through that too. This helped me in this way. And that was something I really wanted to, you know, so often people are presenting a side of themselves that's you know, it's the shinier side and, 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 and that's great. We're all trying to, you know, look our best in this world and it's, it's people do judge, but also I, I want it and I hope it is and it just to be a safe space for people to tell stories that people might relate to. And, and, and so often, I mean, time and again, the stories that are presented, I'm, I'm in awe of some of the bravery for people to come forward and, and, you know, discuss some some pretty personal things, but I've seen that bravery rewarded time and time again with people saying, yes, me too, and reaching out to that author. And, you know, it's just, it can lead to some of those darker discussions can lead to some really bright places. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things that I've recognized in the podcast that I've listened to of yours that do, that do go there yeah. is that, so in this world, we've forgotten how to preserve other people's dignity. Mm. This is what's point. gone way, way wrong on social media and the news and where that news crosses into opinion. It, we've forgotten how important it is to protect the other people's person's dignity. And I think when you validate someone by, by hearing, by truly listening to their story and hearing how their particular life circumstances allowed them or how they did process that experience, you are doing so much to protect that person's dignity. And if you truly listen, there will be through lines to our common human experience. Yeah. We're not that different. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I just, the, the, the shared experience of, of humanity is something that can be so binding and, you know, trying to make sure that we understand that we're all kind of going through it. I know it's, you know, it, it seems like a simple idea, just the idea of like, you know, putting on their shoes and walking a little bit. But I, I think it's just not, you know, and it does because it does take bravery to tell some of the things and expose some of the things that we're all going through. But I mean, it, it there's something so special when we can all relate that 
you know, talk about the fact that it's not so easy sometimes. And this is why. And, you know, it's it, the humanity is the through line that could lead to us coming together and leading to, you know, even when we're talking about bigger problems and bigger issues, the through line of humanity can be one of the most important things for us to, you know, because there's a lot of divisiveness and, you know, it seems like everything's so one side or the other. But one thing that's that's so true is that the shared human experience is is, is what binds us. And I think I think focusing on that is is going to be something very powerful as we move forward into some you know higher consciousness thinking or just rebuilding back in in a way that's more positive for us all. Well, absolutely, and I, I we can't have a conversation about how important it is to be vulnerable without me throwing in a little <laughs> a little pitch for mm-hmm. be willing to be vulnerable first. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been a dentist all my life. You maybe may know that that's where the Dr. Linda thing comes from, mm-hmm. and. If I see that a patient is on, let's say, an antidepressant medicine, I have to talk to them about dry mouth. That it's a big deal. Yeah. So, and I just don't say, "So, Jean Ann, I see you're on depression medicine. Do you have dry mouth?" <laughs> no. I say, Jean Ann, you know, I have t- had to talk my way out of bed every single morning for. F- 45 years because mm-hmm. I have struggled with depression and I'm just, just above that, that line for needing mm-hmm. medication. But I see that you may struggle with the same thing. Do you have dry mouth from that medication you're on? Now, what did I just do? I, I exposed myself first. Mm-hmm. And this is the way if we're, if we're willing to be vulnerable first, there is no end mm-hmm. to the human connection that is available to us, I believe. But somebody has to be courageous about going first. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's kind of. I think the bravery I was speaking to a little bit, but it's. It's. It could be so often rewarding to you personally and to the other person who's able to discuss it. Now, I mean, I've, I've struggled with anxiety in my days, and I wrote a story about it at one point, and the conversations that came from that and, and the people willing to actually, there was a, like a increase in submissions to across the margin after that story uh, about, that I shared about, you know, struggling with anxiety for a period of time. And just, you know, it opens the door for others to finally have that conversation or, or just to feel okay, to feel human. Like it just, you know, there's so much guilt that people deal with from feeling different because they're assuming others are feeling okay all the time and they're not we're not and it's just it's just a fact of life and and if you're able to say that is a beautiful thing be vulnerable first i've seen the power in in myself Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's super huge you know it just preserves people's dignity and and i know that you and i may be familiar with this but i'm surprised at how many people have missed this so i'm gonna pitch it in here right now there is a beautiful ted talk by a wonderful woman named Brene brown Hmm. that is both (laughs) It's both, uh, it's a little bit, what would you say? Well, it's super enlightening. It's funny. It's a little bit cringe material because you can tell right away she's just talking off the cuff. She thought 500 people would see this thing. And I think right now it's at like 25, 30 million. So I want to share with people at this part of our conversation today, and we're going to talk about so many things, but if this vulnerability part of our conversation resonates with you, check out a TED Talk from Brene Brown about vulnerability. And then the one after that that she did, laughing about how that all happened, that's got a wonderful humor in it too. And isn't humor, Michael, part just, of this? I was just going to say, right when you said the word laughing, I mean, the humor just is, has gotten me through a lot of this year. 
I just, I mean, just, I mean, laughing about like this, you know, it's, of course, it's, 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 it's so far from funny. So many things that happen, but the situations we all find ourselves in, if I'm not laughing about it or not laughing with people about just, just the absurdity, it's just, it's a surreal situation that came out of nowhere on so many of us. And, you know, if, we're, if, 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 if I can't sit back and laugh, I don't know where I'd be. Cause I mean, it is, it is, it's funny. We all been boxed in and it's just, this is, you know, it's, it's a moment in time. Nobody, we all didn't see coming collectively. And that's kind of funny. It is. And the, the crazy things that are happening, like in the beginning when men couldn't cut their hair one night, we were sitting around the fire <laughs> with all our, our pod is quite big because our kids uh-huh. all came home from college and then yep. they all brought a significant other. Mm-hmm. So our household went from two to eight. <laughs> Oh my we're all still together now this wow. a year later it's so crazy but <laughs> no, no big it's been good so yeah. there was dr chuck sitting there at the fire and everybody looked over at him and he looked he had one of those peruvian bowl cuts <laughs> he's like this six foot six handsome bath former basketball player guy and all he what now he was like this peruvian guy sitting there with the bowl cut and you know, then it then it started showing up everywhere that yeah. men, men had to cut their hair. I could get away with this, but yeah. you couldn't. Yeah, no, there was times where I was on Zooms and 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 you know there'd be a collective group of like eight or nine of us, and we'd all be looking at the shape we were in and just the the different facial hairs and the different haircuts, and just like this is absolutely you know. And and then also we're wel- welcomed into each other's homes in certain ways, and you're seeing kind of like that's another through line of humanity. You know, and, and we see it when we're actors are being interviewed now or talking to people of different status. I mean, you are seeing just kind of, you know, the things that they deal with on the regular, just their home. And it's it's really wild and funny. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to blatantly pitch it. I wrote what I think is a really wonderful book that published on September 1st. And that's how you and I met. Yeah. Is that I published a book called Happiness is an Option. Mm-hmm. And it just really came out of me in the first two months of the pandemic. And somehow I found a publisher that would publish it that quick. Mm. But anyway, in there, I remember thinking about like, the fact that now I was completely comfortable talking to other people's pets because, you know, <laughs> we're, we're doing these meetings the other day. I was doing one and somebody's black cat, their, their tail just went like this right across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> There was this moment where she had to decide whether to acknowledge it or ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> that's some. Of, that's more more the human. I, I've I've seen more people's uh, pets, which I love, than than I would have ever in in real life. And yeah, my daughter has three cats, and one is really just uh, she's consumed with coming to sit right on the computer because I think she, she she wants her attention. And it's just the entire time, like there's been many interviews I've conducted or meetings I've been a part of where I'm just the entire time, just casually just yeah. removing, removing the cat from the computer. And I see people doing it all the time. It's and really- do you have a, so I have a pet voice in my family, even my, I'm staying with my brother right now and uh-huh. he, he talks to his dogs in the funniest voice. And yeah. I never knew that because I never lived with him for a week. Yeah. And, and now, now I talk to people, other people's pets over yeah. Zoom meetings. Sometimes I put this funny voice on. <laughs> I've I've done that my entire life. Though when I walk by someone walking the dog, I I look you know right down to the dog. I'm like, hey, little buddy, and like I'm I. But I'm also the person at um at a party when those did happen and will happen again. That you're, you're going to find me maybe hanging out with the pet a little more than yeah. the people. Sometimes it's yeah. 
Uh, well, the, you know, and these are our shared humanities. You know, what we're yeah. seeing with all this Zooming is that other people's kitchens look just like ours. Every, yes. Other people's spare bedrooms, their yeah. basement. They've carved out a corner of the basement. Mm-hmm. So closets, this, A lot of closets. <laughs> a lot, a lot of, of people are talking in closets, yep. <laughs> I did a podcast interview the other day with someone, and I kind of – I had to take a shot, because we're all used to seeing backgrounds, but mm-hmm. – this guy found that the sound was way really good in his in his closet with he and his wife's clothes. Definitely. There's a dampening effect. Definitely. And there, there I looked at all her dresses on one side and all his suit coats on the other. It was very funny. That's wonderful. <laughs> but really he admitted he was trying to get away from the four kids and the two dogs. Yes, he's hiding. That, that was a hiding situation. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So so what we just covered is a lot of ground about what we all have in common and how we've got to you know, we're, we're not looking for so much perfection from the world that we can talk about the dark things and we can find a connection in our own lived experience and maybe understand people better that before we might have summed up in some way. Mm. So we're going to take a break here and then we're going to talk about what we really have in common. <laughs> Michael and I discovered in our last interview that we are both smitten by all the wonder in the world. And we both get a chance to talk to so many people who are demonstrating that the world truly is an amazing place, still, still more amazing than we can ever imagine. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll fill you full of all kinds of stories from that world that we're not hearing nearly enough about. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day, we have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where All of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world. Those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. 
Okay, we're back. I was, so this is so exciting. My my face is starting to hurt a little bit. From <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of hurt. So yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So Michael, one of the things that we discovered when we were last talking was that you are an arborist, along with being an avid reader and curious person. You've found a magic in trees that most of us have no idea about. And we connected about an article that Everwinding Circles wrote about how trees are talking to each other. Well, there's a whole lot more to that. So let's just dive into, in in a moment ago, when we were just chatting really quick before the podcast, you told me about this big project that you're doing back and Mm. forth to Texas once a month. So fill us full of this bit of wonder in your life. And I think that you can have us looking around us at at the trees and and the communities we live in in a whole new way. Yeah, that is, uh, I do, one of the things I do is uh, I am an arborist, uh, a tree doctor, for those who might not be familiar with the word. You'd actually be surprised. A lot of, a lot of times I mention arborist and I get a little side head, but um, I love trees. I love tree biology. And um, it's just, it's, it's something I've always been captivated by. And it just, I've, I've worked with trees for decades now. And um, yeah, one of the things, and I'm always asked, uh, you know, kind of to, you know, kind of what, you know, can you tell me something magical about trees? And there's nothing more magical as far as I see it right now than kind of the ways that we're finding out that trees communicate. It all kind of comes from, and you, you had a, you did have an article at Everwinding Circles about it, but um, Suzanne Simard's research about the mycorrhizal networks of trees. And this is fungi that grows on the roots of trees that actually connects trees to other trees. And not only are they communicating in ways that we never imagined. And there's true science behind this. This is not, you know, just some kind of real out there stuff. The science is really speaking to this. Not only are they communicating with each other, letting each other know about, you know, concerns or, or, or a possible prey or, or, or issues that, that, you know, might be about them and, and around them. They are sharing nutrients in ways that we we never knew. Suzanne's about to publish this summer, and I cannot wait. A book. It's called, I believe, it's called Mother Tree, and it's about these older trees and just how they're able to push around nutrients and you know other helpful ways to the, the what are you know the saplings and younger trees around them. So it's trees. You know, so often when we've looked about at trees. I believe that they've been looked at too utilitarian, what they can do for us. And, and then they've been looked at very singular on their own, you know, looking at a tree and which is great. Trees are beautiful on their own too, but when allowed to in their environments that they're not street trees, whether they're in parks or forests or in backyards, they're connected in a way that's really mind blowing to me. And it just, I think the more I know about that, the more I'm even enamored with trees. Cause it's just, there's, there's a connection there. And, and, and also, I just feel like we're going to learn so much more about, you know, as we're discovering these connections. And I mean, these trees have been here forever. I, I can imagine that they're they're storing knowledge or, or just storing things in ways that, you know, th- what I'm saying is that I believe there's a lot of wonder yet to come from what we can learn from trees. Because, I mean, we've just learned so much about these these networks in just like the last 15 years. This, this has really been coming to light and it's just truly mind blowing. So let help me understand. So there is a network of f- fibers that are of kind of a fungus that we mm-hmm. know, like if you could imagine underneath the, the top layer of the soil, this network of fibers, like a 
like a mesh that goes throughout the whole forest and, and trees use this. It's a relationship. They use this to communicate. And I'm using that in real expansive terms because with each other, for instance, a mother tree will know that some, uh, one of its saplings over there is in distress and shuttle nutrients there. I think they know that, for instance, I love this. We wrote an article really early on mm-hmm. about the uh, chemical signals that plants send each other. Did you know that that great smell of cut grass that we all like in the beginning of the summer, that is actually a warning chemical being thrown out by grass to the next, <laughs> <laughs> to the gr- grass across yep. the yard saying, oh my God, this terrible thing's happening. How amazing is that? How that amazing is, is that? So amazing. Uh, yes. So there's there's things like that happening with trees, either supporting each other, warning mm-hmm. each other. T- tell me more about like the some some wonders about that level of communication. There's even e- even even trees that there's ways in which they can deter each other by sending out signals. As the black walnuts roots, they send out uh, a chemical that actually pushes back other roots underground, which is wild. But I, I like to focus on the what is known as the wood wide web. And that is the <laughs> that is a fun term. The connectivity there, and the idea isn't it's this. I, this is kind of the magic too. Is the it's a symbiotic relationship between tree roots and mushrooms called mycorrhizae, and it's something mycorrhizae has always been known as the mushroom that attaches to tree roots. And as arborists, we use that a lot. We add it to trees to the soil because it helps in absorption. It helps it you know it helps the roots actually take up a whole lot more water, which is great. But we didn't realize that the mycorrhizae was actually creating networks between. So the roots aren't actually even connecting in some cases. In some cases, they are. But it's actually a mushroom web connecting. And the, the, the signals are able to cross between and across the mycorrhizal network. So it's a symbiotic relationship. Not exactly sure. And, you know, because it's exactly what the mushrooms are getting at. Probably more life and just, you know, they, they're... They are absorbing water and growing. It's a place to grow, but they are acting as connective tissue between the trees. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful symbiotic relationship. So there, there's a, as we mentioned, there's a great article on ever widening circles. If you put wood wide web in the, in the search box on ever widening circles, but there's, you can look this up on the internet in lots of places you've interviewed. There's a good podcast. Didn't you interview a scientist about this? Yeah, we t- I talked to the authors of Tree Beings, which is it's actually the children's books, but it's one of a it's it's a children's book that actually talks about some more, you know, a lot of the children's books are even books geared towards, you know, younger people about trees. I've kind of been saying the same thing for so long, just, you know, the the shape of the trunk, the shapes of the leaves to tell the difference between and they're not really talking about some of these wonders and tree beings is full of wonders and it also speaks to a lot of the champions of trees that are out there and just kind of heroes in my world that that a lot of people don't know about um you know a woman named butterfly who lived in a tree for a long long time so that so that um you know loggers couldn't take it down and just all these Tree Heroes. That was a real fun one. I'm glad you mentioned that. And you mentioned a TED Talk earlier, so I'd like to mention I mentioned her name, Suzanne Samard. She has a TED Talk, too, that's worth looking up, where she talks about this wood wide web that we're talking about, too. So after you read the article at Everwiding Circles, it's worth worth checking out. But What was yeah. her name again? I'm not sure we got that as clear as I'd like. Suzanne Samard. Okay. I think she's the one in our article. Yes. She is. She definitely is. And she's yeah. really been... Because, I mean, she... 
it's been it's been theorized for a while, and there's been a lot of people talking. She's really put in the legwork. She's been down there in with the roots, uh, just just you know, she's been putting the science in and putting the science behind all this theory we had for a while, and it's 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 mind blowing. Okay, so they're the net natural stepping off point for everybody who's tired of hearing us talk about trees. <laughs> is why should we care, Michael? Mm. Okay, so that's when we do our editing in Everwriting Circles. I'm, I always come in and do the final edit. And mm-hmm. if, if I don't read this article and say, ah, that's why I should care, yeah. then we're back to the drawing board. And I ask that, give us some context about the kind of magic and community thoughtfulness that's happening on this project that you're traveling once a month to do. Because I think that that answers the why should we care in some ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I am... Um, I'm a part of this team recently where um, it's in downtown Fort Worth and it's, it's the goal behind it is to just bring magic to the city, especially in this time where, you know, I, I think some people are, are yearning for it, needing for it or reaching for it. A development company down there, really, really great people. They just, you know, instead of sitting back and kind of, you know, waiting for things to come to life, they're like, we need to bring some life back into it. And, and so what they've, they've put together a team of a couple architects, a whole bunch of artists. And what we're doing is kind of walking around the city and we're just finding moments and pockets. We one we've already brought to life that's just amazing. We walked by an alley and it was it was just kind of run down. It's between shops and we've turned it into this like kind of almost vegetative forest and there's mural paintings and now there's lights and it's absolutely gorgeous. There's an area on the east part of town where there's all these just parking lots. And this is when I really knew I wanted to be a part of the project when one of the people from the development company, she really cared. And she saw that these parking lots were used by the, the, you know, the workers in town and they would be walking from these cheaper parking lots. They couldn't afford to park downtown into downtown to work. And she goes, I want to make their walk happier. And so, so what we did is we designed these, you know, uh, we put in tree installations and all these, we made it look like you're walking through a nursery from the parking lots all the way to downtown or we're starting to install tree lights around it and, you know, putting murals as, as, as you drive into town and draping, I'm draping down a lot of vegetation and vines in it. And we just kind of, instead of, um, you know, it, it, waiting for life to come back, we wanted to initiate some life in the town. And it's, it's been really exciting to, to see, you know, each month when I'm down there, we just, we see something, let's do that. And we immediately bring it to life and, and just, over over the next year, I'm really excited to see how this city comes to life. A lot of color, and just to, to, I want to I can't wait to see how people react to it in spring because we've put in a lot of vegetation that's really gonna you know a lot of flowering trees and flowering plants. So in, in about about two months, things are really gonna look a little bit different around the city, and I'm proud to be a part of that. Wow! And what yeah. I love about that is the vision that mm. it takes. I'm going to refer to Fort Worth vision from now on. Yes. <laughs> I love it. You know, that, that takes some vision. Who was the first person who marched into city hall and said, or what, or what, what leader who's already in a position of leadership said, you know, we ought to do this. Yeah. That takes some courage. Definitely. No, no, that's, I mean, that's the people who I am working for. I, uh, it's, I mean, they're using a lot of their own money. I mean, the, the, the return on this investment is, I mean, hopefully more people will come downtown and spend money down there. But like the return on this investment was, was joy at the end of the day. I mean, in, anytime the, the meetings got to, a, to a place of why we were doing this, one of the reasons was, is because we can't. And that was, that was something that, 
you know, it's, it's like I said, I'm proud to be a part of it. And it was because of the reasons for this. We're so altruistic and, and just, you know, they, 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 the group and everyone involved loves, you know, uh, bringing, you know, more nature and color into people's lives. And that's cool. Well, okay. And this is a possibility for the future for all of us. You know, mm. we talked to, uh, I'm back in Illinois recording this podcast. I usually live in Vermont because of a terrible, <laughs> a terrible <laughs> disaster uh, that happened in, in a, in a family cabin. And you know what? I didn't cry in my suit very long. I stood there in the doorway of this building that had a hundred gallons of water every hour pumping through it when it was negative eight out. Yeah. We think for about two days (laughs) and I stood there hands on hips. And of course I wanted to put my face in my hands and cry. Mm. And you know, the, the pandemic is, I don't, I don't fall to my knees very often anymore. I stay on my feet better than mm-hmm. I used to. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? We're going to build back better. Mm. Talk to me about some of the people that you've come across that are in this mindset of visionary change about what's possible. Mm. Talk to me about that. I love, love, love that term build back better because as crushing as this is in, in many ways, the best way to look at it so as not to get, you know, take the mind to too many dark places and also to advance us towards some really positive places is to look at the opportunity that that we have at this point. And, and that is to kind of realize what we mean to each other even. And just, I mean, something that's happened to me is just I can't wait to be around others. And 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 just I, I know I'm not going to be taking that for granted. But it, but in, in, in the bigger picture way of when we're talking about building and, you know, creating a world that we want to live in and that we can live in together. And I think that, that I think that's possible. I think, I think there's a lot to learn. I think we're going to be unpacking for a while. Some of the things that went wrong here. And I, I, I think that's so important and because that's going to give us an opportunity to figure out how we can do this better. And I'm seeing it all around in a lot of different meetings. I'm seeing, I talk to a lot of climate change activists and, and, you know, there's, just that that is the idea that's permeating through the whole thing is just like look we've seen these things fail these ideas fail why why wouldn't this be an opportunity for us to to do this instead and i think we need to keep asking that question you know why you know it's the old adage about you know the, the insanity if we keep doing the same thing it's 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 crazy we have an opportunity now to to make a lot of people's lives better and and I think I think it harkens back to the idea of reimagining and everything, and, and I can't think of a better time, you know, to do that. Yes, absolutely. You know, this is uh, two words that we can mm. use going forward: reimagine everything. I'm everything. looking at one of the people that I've become great friends with, who I've interviewed on this podcast, is Principal Linda uh, Clay Wayman. Mm-hmm. She she's that the woman who's so famous for completely changing the fourth most dangerous high school in America. Oh, wow. Well, let me tell you, she is a force to be reckoned with. And, mm-hmm. and she changed it with like, <laughs> like the, the most crazy force of love. Yeah. She would tell kids, if nobody's told you they love you today, you just remember I do. And I always will. And she has it. She says it in this most powerful way where you, you know, it, you feel it go right through you. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I love that idea of, of leading with good intentions, leading with love. 
it's something I, I, I too often I believe decisions are made on, you know, based on the bottom dollar or whatnot. And I think that's what I was talking about with the project, how excited I am to be because the intentions feel right. I just, you know, I, I do, I, I, I do believe the good person wins, can win, you know, and I do believe if you're doing good, you can still get to the place you're trying to go. It doesn't, you know, you, you, you can, you know, want to do something for the right reasons and, and, and still accomplish things or still, you know, uh, make it is, is what I'm saying. I love hearing that in that situation. Yeah. You know, I think that we're short on people who think that there can be a win, win, win solution. Yeah. We, we need people who are going, okay, if I do this and this, it won't work for this group. If I do this and this, it'll work for that group, but not this group. Okay, so the next, not to give up, just to mm-hmm. keep reimagining. And that's, you know, this is our time because the way Linda and I chit-chat, Principal Wayman and I, is that we uh-huh. say, okay, the current education system <laughs> was designed by the Prussians to make good factory workers. Yes, yes. We are still, I mean, read anything mm-hmm. from, you know, annual about education in the beginning. Okay. So here we are with an education system that hasn't been changed fundamentally yeah. in 200 years. What if we reimagine? So it was designed to create factory workers. What if we just reimagined it to create creative people, to create people that are kinder than they need to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can, we can design for optimizing for anything. Yeah. I think, I mean, so often we look at things that have been established for so long and you, and you think maybe, you know, there's got to be a reason that it is that way. If you take the time to go back and learn about it, oftentimes it is, you just mentioned a perfect example. And, um, you know, I recently just talked to someone about the electoral college and, and you know, when it comes to voting and, and you know, for so long, people are like, this is the way it is. This is the game you have to play. And you look back at the intentions when it was first birthed into the world and they're, they're not so great. And they, you know, they're, they're really not something that we need a guideline we need to follow. So it, it, it's, you know, some of those things that, you know, it's always been that way. There must be a reason. If you look back, you know, the reason might not be so great. And, and it is a time to, to reevaluate and just, you know, why, why not now we have so many you know, so much technology at our hands, so many bright thinkers and so much opportunity that we can just kind of start, you know, bring it, bring it to life in a new way from scratch. Yeah. You know, and this is why back to circle back to something you and I both want, uh, cause I'd like to take a few minutes to go in a rapid fire wonder uh, scenario. No, but, and this is why we have to know more about what's possible in the world. Because you can't, you can't be the idea person in your family or on the family farm like I'm at right now. You can't be the idea person at work or in your garage cleaning project if you haven't sort of trained your mind to be searching for knowledge that expands what you think is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's absolutely a training there. There's and there's a belief. There's a hope. I, I think you gotta. It's it's good to kind of be like a hopeless wanderer, hopeless romantic about things because I mean it it does take there's there's a leap there and I but I believe that leap is is really really rewarded and and just you know it is fun and and very hopeful and positive to think about you know what can come from from some really really hard times I mean I just it just came to my mind I know you dealt with some really tough issues at your farm there. But I mean, when you described uh, to me when we were talking earlier about some icicles that formed from your disaster, 
that was a magic. I mean, I, I can't wait to see the pictures. That was a magic moment that came from something rough and 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 just like it's there is so much magic in the world you know and and looking back through history has come from some pretty awful things and but it takes people with vision with bravery and with that kind of you know earnest hopeful romantic you know leap at something to make it happen so absolutely okay so let's take a few minutes from from the people that you've talked to, I'm sure we. this is a whole nother probably three or four podcast interviews that we could just go back and forth and back and forth <laughs> talking about the, the wonder of people. But I'll just start it off. One of my very favorite topics of wonder is the, the fact that I, we wrote an article about this little squid called the bobtail squid. Now, the fact that this exists in the world is just points to so much else that's possible. So the bobtail squid is this little teeny squid that lives in the depths of the ocean all during the day. But at night, it rises to the surface to feed. And it would make the most delectable, delicious mouthful for so many predatory fish. So what it's done is, over millions of years of evolution, it has a belly full of symbiotic bacteria that are light-producing. So when this little squid rises, its belly turns into a perfect circle full of bacteria that produce a white light. And when a predatory fish looks up at the surface of the ocean, what do you think that fish sees? It sees a full moon (sighs) shining through the water. It's not seeing its next dinner. No, it's it's, it's unbelievable. I was on on your site just the other day and it just came to mind because you were mentioning, you know, something that, that, that glows like that. There was a glowing platypuses in one of your articles that was just mind-blowing. I think they were talking about all these different mammals that could actually glow. And I was, my jaw was on the floor the entire time. I, yes, this is the kind of wonder that's out there yeah. that we are not hearing nearly enough about. Yeah. Tell me something that comes to mind when you were just blown away. No, there's a, a, another example from uh, reading at your website because I do, I, I do. Um, climate change is something I think about a lot because I'm always thinking about the natural environment, and I, I've had the fortune, you know, the the luck to talk to so many great climate activists, and their passion are so amazing. And 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 I and I like to to mention that a lot of the things that they're talking about right now is something we talked about earlier is just the hum, human through line and what connects us more than what what divides us, and and just kind of you know, that's kind of what we're looking at as the way instead of shaming people or talking about, you know, other ways to accomplish this. I mean, we have to talk about the fact that we're all humans and what we're going to be going through as a collective and some people in different parts of the world more than others. But there was an article about bison helping to fight climate change on the website, which was really, really remarkable. And I just I just love the idea that it's not just us humans having these conversations or not that they are, that's just what they're doing. I mean, they were, these bisons were vegetarians and, and just like that, what they were doing naturally was contributing to helping the fight against it too. And that just, that just blew my mind. The, uh, the wonders after wonders, it's, 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 it's a gift what you're, what, what you're doing at the website. And I hope we're, you know, I hope at across the margin, we're doing it in our own way. I mean, you know, when each time I'm, um, I'm putting out, we put out poetry about once a week too, and finding all these beautiful different life stories or just, you know, some of the fiction we I've released some fiction recently that just, it's mind blowing to me and I'm hoping it's mind blowing to others when we put it out there. And I just, 
I'm just hoping that this wonder and this, you know, the joy I'm getting from reading these stories is, is reciprocated out there. Cause I just think it goes a long way to, you know, I, it's, it's, it's kind of like what, what the idea of the ever widening circle is. I'm hoping that joy resonates out in a bigger way and that the stories we're telling the, the conversations we're having at the podcast. I hope, I just hope it all, it's, 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 you know, someone, if, if there's a story I tell, I hope someone's telling that story again. And I, you know, if, 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 you know, we're shining a light on something important, I hope that that's rolling on down the line too. So that's, I mean, can kind of, that's what keeps me going and keeps me passionate about it is just the, the kind of the blind hope that these stories are going further and hopefully that the joy that I'm hoping to create is going out there in the world and, and resonating in a way I can't see, but, uh, but I hope is there. Well, you know, I will have to say that I have a, I don't think this is stubborn optimism. I think it's just math. But whenever I get like kind of some angst about some mm. direction that society is going or I'm going or my business is going or something, I really go back to the caveman days and think, how would this have operated back when we were really forming the social network that we've got now? Because that's mm-hmm. when the fabric of society actually started was back in the caveman days. As soon as we could harness yeah. the power of fire, all of a sudden we weren't constantly on the move. We were just sitting around. And um, I read this incredible article. You'd love it. Or it's a podcast on Hidden Brain, mm-hmm. one of my uh, other favorite podcasts. Hidden Brain has this great article about how outrage has hijacked our future. Anyone who's listening to this podcast <laughs> should go and listen to that one. That one, and it's not political. You'll think it is, but as soon as he gets going, he's putting some pretty heavy parameters on us all to think. So the bottom line is, is that the reason why social media is a runaway train of meanness and anger and all that is because there's no consequences. Yeah. But he points out that back in the caveman days, you know, if you acted outrageous or you, you know, were really hurtful to someone, guess what? You had to sleep with one eye open for mm-hmm. every single night or that person could just take a rock to your head. <laughs> so there was social consequences to yeah. not pausing, to not mm-hmm. being thoughtful and helpful with what you said to the other person. But with social media, first of all, it's all comparison without context. So we think Absolutely. everyone else's life is perfect and ours isn't. Yep. But the other thing is there's no there's no consequences there. So when I listened to that hidden brain episode, it reassured me that there that that we can make sense of this. See, this is what knowledge does. If you listen to the writer or the poet or the wordsmith or the activist or the musicians on your podcast, mm-hmm. It, it expands what you know and what you have access to when you're trying to make sense of the hard things in the world. Because we're going through some hard things. But if we have more knowledge, we can, it's like putting together a giant jigsaw puzzle. You just, your, your podcast, I love your podcast because it makes me feel like when you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle, mm-hmm. it's you're giving us all the edges. You know how when you're putting <laughs> together a puzzle, once you find all the edges, you can start moving. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first, first, first step in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I, I don't think this this part of our conversation would be really good without me mentioning too. And and this this is borderline self promotion, but I'm really trying to make the world a better place. And we yeah. just launched we just launched a, a project to help people like you and me and anyone doing good in the world, anyone to find their kindred spirits to, to, to join a committee. We just launched the conspiracy of goodness network. 
It's a vetted social and professional platform where people can combine, connect, collaborate, and change the world together. Because I think if, if you and I and tens of thousands of other people are just these lonely voices mm-hmm. in the night, we can't open a new era separate like this. Yeah. We've got to find each other. And we've got to celebrate each other's work, which is something mm-hmm. I just... I, I just instantly knew what you were onto is something that in this new era that's opening, we will be all grateful for. Yeah, that, that, that's, I appreciate your kind words about what we're doing and that because that is such the aim. But I love that idea, that conspiracy of goodness network, because I also believe there are so many more people than many would believe that are thinking about things in a higher consciousness way, looking at the positive, finding ways to build back better and, and, and make this better. And there's those voices are all too often muted and maybe not connected. And, and, you know, you know, I work with this protest group and one of the ideas uh, they do is, is all crews, one crew, and cause they know we can't do it on our own. And so they're trying to get all the people who believe in these rights for everybody. That's it's time for us all to come together. There's, you know, all those who are doing good in the different ways. And it's, it even happens in climate change where we're talking about how all these other issues were racial justice is environmental justice. We're all connected. All these things are connected in a way that we can't see, but all together is how we're going to do it. And if we get the good people together, we can create that conspiracy of goodness and bring it to a higher plane. And I love that. That's wonderful. We can, and you are part of it. You are a charter member in the conspiracy <laughs> of goodness of our time. Thank Thank so, you. I always like to close my podcast by asking the guest two things. Michael, where can people get real specific now? Now, there's going to be show notes down below. We, mm. we work with a great, great company that makes sure our show notes are just super. That, so anything that we mentioned, the books, the TED Talks we mentioned, all that's going to be in the show notes. But Michael, where's where's the best place for people to connect with your work? Thank you for asking. It is uh, The website is acrossthemargin.com. That, that's kind of like the jump off. You'll be able to find our podcast there. You'll be able to find some video content we do. All the articles and stories are there. We have big, uh, we, we spend a lot of time on Twitter. So it's at, at across the margin. And the podcast can be found anywhere, any place you can hear uh, podcasts. It's across the margin, the podcast. We're part of the Osiris Media Group. So yeah, hunt down across the margin. We're on Facebook and, and Insta too. But yeah, across the margin.com and come see us. And Any writers, anyone who wants to contribute or be a part of what we do, the door is always open. Lovely. Lovely. We need we need more context in this world. No more sound bites. No more. Agreed. Agreed. So okay. So our at Ever Widening Circles, we our our second line, our byline is it is still an amazing world. So what proves to you that it's still an amazing world, Michael? Mm. Wow, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful question. Not to get sappy, but I mean, I see it in my, uh, even throughout this whole thing, you know, and I, I could understand how some of this isolation and, you know, just the fact that we can't do some of the things that bring us so much joy culturally. I just, I was always curious how this was going to affect. I have a nine-year-old daughter and, you know, I just worry about her spirit and I just, you know, cause it's just so intoxicating. Her spirit has always been something that's just, just so much joy, she's laughter. She's, she's always making fun of me. And, you know, we're about a year into this and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good point where you could see how, you know, this has affected a lot of us. And I just, just to see how happy she still is and how much she's making the most of things and just 
you know, that, that smile hasn't, hasn't dimmed at all. And just, it shows that, you know, if, if, if you're looking for the joy and, you know, if she's just, she's made the most of it. And it just, it proves to me that this, this world is still full of spirit and it's still a wonderful, wonderful place. And we can take our cues from children. We sure can. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been great. This has been so great. (laughs) Okay. What a pleasure. Okay. So, uh, we're going to close out today, but we're back every week with uh, with another extraordinary person who can, you know, be be some light in our life, just like Michael Shields. As always, dive into ever widening circles. There's lots going on over there. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is is for anyone doing good in the world. This is if you're a board member of your local humane society, or if you're a thought leader who's decided to save the rainforest with old cell phones. It's a place where we can all find each other and share what's what's working, what's not working, get some problem solving done, all that. I hope that all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all the joy and wonder that Michael and I have been talking about. Have a great week.